Hey, Bobby here. Welcome to Quotalist, where software sales leaders and professionals share ideas to help you master your mind, your business, and your time. Remember, when we embrace practice, develop awareness, and align our efforts, we can rise above the deal. We can live Quotalist. Hey everyone, I'm Bobby Dysart, and this is Quotalist. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by my podcasting partner, SalesCast. They offer revenue first podcast for entrepreneurs and sales leaders. You can catch me as well as founders Colin and Chris hanging out on Slack in their podcasting community. If you're interested, it's free to join. Just head over to salescast.co. Uh, one question trivia time before I introduce today's guest, Dale Dupree. Um, it's kind of an odd, kind of an odd question, and all these have been softball, so I'm not going to give you the uh, the uh, multiple choice unless it's needed. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about it here shortly, but uh, the question is: This 1989 film stars Fred Savage as the brother to a gifted video game player who together traveled to California to compete in a video game tournament. Initially hammered by critics, the film garners a cult following and featured other rising stars, Christian Slater, Tobey Maguire, and Jenny Lewis, who later became lead singer to indie rock band Rilo Kiley. What movie is this? Okay, it's there's three going through my head, but it has to be. I want to. Say, it's called Wizard, right? Um, Close enough, baby. It is the Wizard. Yes, yes. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. And that's why. That's why I'm glad I didn't give you multiple choice because I swear if I get everybody multiple choice and they just get it right away. But I don't uh, know why, but my head went to Tron, and it went, which is I'm like, they, none of those people are in Tron. <laughs> it was the video game thing that threw me off the most, but the, I've, the any 80s or 90s movie, I'm glad you picked a movie from the 80s. I don't know if you normally do that, but those, that's like, that was the time to be alive, right? I was four years old when that movie came out, and I think I probably saw it for the first time when I was like 10, 9 or 10, yeah. right? And it was probably actually, I probably wasn't supposed to watch it, to be quite honest. I think it, because I think it was PG-13, or no, it was pg it was PG. So I was I was allowed to watch it, but it was like with a parent kind of thing. But I watch it with my cousins 100%. And that's a great movie. Yeah, I rewatched it with my boy Max a little bit. It'd probably be rated R now for, for the kids these days. For, for yeah. real, yeah. It's, There's it's, aggressive truckers yeah. in there. There's some <laughs> some uh, ch- child abuse in there. There's all kinds of bad things. That don't, don't, don't God, isn't it well. crazy that how we don't think about that? stuff like in the moment right or like even now when we reflect on it we reflect on it so much differently i think i was watching like a disney animated cartoon movie or you know that's like not a very popular one and and they were talking about sex like (laughs) without saying it like the mom and dad were but they were like eyeing each other and i was like yo oh my god but then i started to think to myself bobby like what about this man like does my son in the year 2022 watch the same movie and actually get the exact same emotions though that i did like does he go oh they're talking about sex like i don't think he does you know unless i've taught him about it already right that hey this mommy and daddy are using sexual innuendos right now (laughs) 
No, I man, that's a good question and definitely an experience. I mean, I, I haven't gone down the, the, the kid road yet, but um, I'll tell you this with short of like some big red flags coming, like I'm sharing some of that old school stuff just so we can get a little, we can get aligned on, Hey, this is what I watched as a kid. What do you think? 100, right. Or like reading Ender's game or, you know, like, cause, cause, and there's so many good remakes these days, but like if the kids, if your kid hasn't seen the original, it's like not fair necessarily to start them on a remake. In my opinion, because even when there were remakes, when I was a kid, my parents were like, no, you got to watch the original first. So, I mean, like, I just think that that's the right way to do it. Or if there's a book, I really think it, you should read it. Like when Lord of the Rings was coming out, our teacher, she was a huge fan of that novel, man, back when I was in high school. And I was homeschooled, by the way, but we were in a co-op. And so we had four teachers in total. And this one was Mrs. Nakastool, one of my favorites. Uh, no shade to my other teachers. And she basically, for extracurricular work, like it, we were to read the book. But like her rule with her kids was like, we ain't watching the movie until you read the book because your experience will be so much different. And that's, we don't value that anymore, right? We're just like, oh yeah, this is cool. Let's do it. We don't value like the actual experience that we're trying to truly get out of it or that is, that's not supplemental, right? But that is like the organic, like raw experience that we all deserve and that molded most of us, you know, growing up. In 2022, everything is, is a shortcut Everything is is short term in the way that we look at it from an ongoing perspective, right? And everything is instant gratification. We got to get away from that. Yeah, mm, well said, brother. We might just end it right there. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, you 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 want kids to watch the or read the books now before the movies. You'd be lucky to even watch, have them watch the movie. They just watch the trailer and they're done. <laughs> One hundred, bro. Trailer highlight on YouTube. It's like I've had I've had my fill. I've had the entire experience. I'm moving on. So true. Uh, all right. I, I guess I got to do the introduction here um, just to let everybody know who we're talking today. We are talking to Dale Dupree. He's the founder and chief sales officer of the Sales Rebellion, uh, offering sales training for companies and individuals ready to challenge the status quo. He hosts the Selling Local podcast, leads the Rebellion Slack community, and posts some of the most authentic, raw, inspired, creative, and helpful sales content that I follow and find on LinkedIn every day. Dale, welcome to Quotalus. What's up, my guy? Thanks for having me on. Dude, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, we got a ton to talk about. I feel like just before we press record, we were just like, man, we, we can start going down some, some really juicy rabbit holes. So I'm um, excited to dive in. Um, I got, I got one crazy question that I, I don't even know if you can answer it. Cause it's such a piece of like um, you and, and sales rebellions aura um, that I don't want to bury the lead, but um, I haven't, I haven't did, I haven't dove into this piece specifically, but I see it all the time. It's this crumpled letter, dude. What, what is this thing about? What can you share? What can't you share? I could share it all. Um, <laughs> no shame in my game. The crumpled letter came about because uh, you have to understand the origins, right? So the crumpled letter comes you know, from, from failure, right? It comes from the midst of failure, being a sales professional in an industry that's very boring, very generic, very bland, very suit and tie, very, this is the process. Um, and, and most of the interaction that you're having with other humans in that process is just pure garbage. And it, it, like to me, it's just insane to think that we still teach it that way, even 
in this generation coming up. Um, and what I mean by that way is process-driven concepts around sales are outdated, period. It's one thing to have a, a structure, okay? Because that's like a skeleton, right? You To say like, hey, here's, here's the foundation. Here are the walls. Now put on the paint, right? Now put down the rug. Now pick out your favorite dining room table. Like that's what we should be doing for sales reps. But instead, you know, we're like, no, 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 no. Do these 10 things exactly like I say. Read this script. Send this kind of email. Put them in the sequence. <laughs> you know, and it just convolutes the whole process. And, and to me, just generally creates bad outcomes. So I was stuck in that world for a hot minute. And mostly not, it had nothing to do with my mentors even or, or the, the people that were teaching me sales. It was more or less that I was seeking outside validation. And I was, I was trying to get more training. I was trying to become better at sales. I wasn't getting it. And also travel with me, ladies and gentlemen, back to being 22 years old. Yeah. And you've been a musician for the last six years of your life. Uh, five of those in particular, you're touring full time on a record label uh, that is Warner Brothers. And, and so you're coming, you're coming out of success, technically. And, and you're going into selling copy machines for your father. So the last thing that you're going to do is listen to anything he freaking says, right? You're, you're going to hear him. But because, because you're 22 and because you know what's best for yourself and that you've been doing all these things and having all this success, that you can do it over here too and you don't need help, right? When you're 32, it's a little different, right? You know, <laughs> when you're hitting reset, like it's kind of like, okay, you're going to get some help on this one for sure and take my time. At 22, it was like, hey, I'm ready to just start getting it. I'm ready to start breaking the six-figure mark. You told me I could do that. Give me my business cards give me my phone script, I'm out, right? And, and so I wasn't necessarily absorbing or even listening to, bro, the, the, the advice, the sage advice and the wisdom being given to me by my father or the mentors in my life at that point. Instead, I was, I was seeking out all the gurus and the, the big baddies in the sales world and implementing all of their concepts, even paying for um, a specific form of training, a couple of different ones, uh, one that I was in for like three years almost, or it was two years. And then I spent a year just kind of like going to class, like, like the kid that was like, you know, always in detention, you know, like I was at like every other one, I was late, you know, just kind of like moseying in and out. And yeah, it, it was an interesting time in my life, but, but I digress. All that information overload caused just like more failure for me. And to me, for me to like become like too structured even, um, and on top of like the failure that I already have with the structure that I had, that I was attaining for myself. And so I completely just burned the ships. I said, listen, I'm not giving people ex an experience. Pitching people does not give them an experience, period, right? Period. I don't care what you say in the pitch, right? A pitch is not an experience. And so I started to, to look at the basics of human psychology. And I started to look not at the quote unquote sales psychology, right? The literal psychology of humans. I started to look at behavioral theories, communication theories. My wife was like in, in psychology. She was getting a, uh, had to do a master's eventually, you know, was going to get her doctorate kind of thing. Stopped at the master's though, but I digress. I was reading some of her stuff. I was looking up these doctors she was talking about. I was hearing her ideas. She was doing criminal psych as a as a, a piece of that as well. So I was learning about serial killers and how the way that they think. And it was like, wow, that's just like this 
CEO I'm talking to, <laughs> like super narcissistic, like very controlling. I mean, just like it was wild when I started to learn these things. And the crumpled letter was the literal out uh, from that failure. And what it was, was an experience that I knew that I could also scale from the perspective of like sequencing. So in the letter campaign and the rebellion, there's actually four designated letters. And then there's additional letters as well, too, on top of it. Four that is all we believe you need in order to set a first appointment or to get somebody to engage with you. Because we don't have an expectation of just setting appointments, right? What we want is to is fellowship. We want communication from people. We want them to enjoy what's happening. And even if they, quote unquote, don't need our services, we want to build on a relationship, whether that's a business relationship or something that becomes more personal as well too, is totally fine because we believe that business is personal. So even when somebody is, is adhering to what's happening and they're, they're open to it, right? And they give you that quote unquote business relationship in, that's great. Cause to me, that's personal. So as long as we treat it that way, right? Then, then we'll take people to the next level. So the, the summary of the, the letter is this, it's a pattern interrupt right? Interrupt marketing is one of the greatest things ever created in the history of man. So if I can take your typical eight to five and I can literally throw a wrench in it through an experience that doesn't hurt you. Um, and, and maybe it causes a little drama. It's like, what is this, right? Like going on, like, that's fine. If I can get you mad or set or happy, like, at least I'm not indifferent. That's how I looked at it. Like I don't not exist anymore. <laughs> so right. I can always say, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> but I'll give, I'll give your listeners the content, bro. I don't do this often. The the crumpled letter literally. Now listen, there's the crumpled, the coffee stain, the pre-burnt, right? There's the letter traveled around the world. There's additional letters like the letter from McKenna. Shout out to Jeremiah Griffin. There's the rock paper simple letter. There's the there's a ton, right? Shout out to Josh Adams. Like there's there's so many good iterations. The paper plane letter. We've got some of the most amazing ideas that go into this creative concept, and it's snail mail. It has the best open rate, bro. It always will. Right. And, but we've, we have mastered it, right. It goes beyond like the Amazon package, even in my opinion, right. Like the thing you see that you always will open, right. Is the thought process. It drives curiosity. It creates an interruption for people and they either have FOMO in the moment or they, they are driven by a curiousness that says I have to open it. And so when they, they take apart <laughs> this letter, that's all crumpled up and it's either in like a big bright envelope and it says crumpled letter inside, or there's a lot of different iterations. Maybe it's in a little trash can, little mini trash can. When they uncrumple this thing, it says, hey, you're probably wondering why this is crumpled up. 90% of the sales and marketing that comes across your desk is garbage. And so I made it easier for you to throw this away because I value your time. And that's a base, ba the basic premise of it, right? Calling out the stereotypes of sales, calling out the things that people don't like. They don't like cold calls. They don't want to be pitched, right? So instead, I wanted to give you an experience, make this fun, interactive, and here's some more stuff that's involved, you know, in my letter to, to build our relationship. And that's the gist of it, bro. Oh, man. what a I guess that was such a loaded question because you just... You just unpacked so much for me, brother. I, I appreciate it, um, especially, you know, revealing some of that specificity around the content and the idea. Um, you know, it does sound like that's just a small seed, right? Like this thing has blossomed into, you know, four or five different iterations. And um, I'm sure people just latch onto it and just have to keep packing on ideas, creativity, value. Um but, but maybe we'll come back to that piece of it. Like you just, you just, again, said so much that I want to follow up on. I mean, um, I guess I'm going to start with your days as a copier, just because, you know, brother to brother, I started off in telecommunications door to door. And I remember in our office, we said, 
hey, there's only, there's only one job tougher than ours and it's copy. <laughs> so we sort of felt a little elevated above, above you copy warriors. Um, but we were, we were doing the same thing, man. We, we had that, that, you know, um, very stereotypical, you know, suited and booted boiler room approach, you know, 50 doors, 50 points, whatever you want to call it per day, um, get your script, you know, lay it on everybody like a robot and, you know, hopefully, hopefully you get enough money to, uh, to pay your car payment out here in LA and, and, and have a little bit of beer money. Um, it, it's, it's just such different times back then. Um, it's even funny. You, you talked about sort of the, 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 the next version of that today is like sequences and, um, you know, templated emails and like automated responses. And, you know, we didn't have any of that stuff back then, but we, we, but there was still that same sort of like thoughtless approach to sales that I think plagued the industry and still does today. I totally agree with you. And even back then, like, even though we didn't have this plethora of automated processes that are, you know, tied and linked back to softwares or just the SaaS world in general, I mean, bro, you can like buy a piece of software or a license or a subscription for like anything. Now you want food delivered to your house. You want to, you know, order from a grocery store. You want to get some clothes. You want a random box with just like garbage in it to show up once a month because you feel good about it. I mean, like literally you can sign up a subscription for almost anything when it comes to like how that ties into business. Like you want something that helps with your, your dials. You've got to, there's dialers, right. As they say, they call them now out there that are, literally help you prioritize and uh, distribute the calls correctly for you. Like, Hey, I need to call on time zone West coast at this time during the day. And so make sure all the numbers in here populated are for the West coast, right? Just small things. Right. But at the end of the day, they create a lot of efficiencies, but the thing about that is that it takes away from the human element too. Right. So it's like, because we've made things easier for people. They've actually become more disconnected with the process. And so when I sat back and I thought about, well, the same thought in my mind, like what, what if we had a way to calculate our commissions without a freaking pen and a pencil and, a, and the knowledge of math, right? Like, oh, a calculator? No, that does not work when you're doing commissions. You've got to literally write your commissions out. Like yeah. what, like what, what, what if, because there's too many formulas, right, to it, right? So, so again, it, it, I've always had the thought of what, what could make it easier, but really my thought was always, what gives a better experience to people? And so when I thought about sequencing, even back in the day, I, and I made the four letters, it was because pe people had all these ideas, these gimmicky ideas around things like sending a shoe to somebody and saying, hey, now that I got one foot in the door. And I, I, so I, as I looked at, at this theory of psychology as well, too, because I'm not dissing that. I'm sure like a lot of people even probably listening to this have tried it. Uh, I never tried it, but I digress. Well, and it's a little better. You yeah, know, it's better than it's 100% better than just calling and pitching somebody yeah. with a with a 15 minute appointment attached to it, right? 100%. Right. I totally am okay with somebody sending a shoe in the mail. But I started to sit back and say, like, why does that not work 100% of the time? And why don't we do that to everybody? Right? That was the question I started asking. Right? There's a couple things to it. One is that it's like, it's, it's hard to do this kind of stuff. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes intentionality. It takes this identity and mindset around excellence. And a lot of us don't have that naturally. A lot of us are on this, this fast track, like I'd said earlier, toward instant gratification. 
as fast as we can get something done and get gratified through the process, well, the better. All, all those tools, everything just sort of culturally, societally, like we're just obsessed with efficiency. We are obsessed yes. with faster and think that that is the end all be all, right? So to sort of to sort of flip it on its head and, and go after like, we'll say quality interactions, we'll say a better experience that actually even may, may sacrifice speed, like that feels wrong, right? It, 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 it's, it's definitely more challenging, right? For sure. Yeah, for sure. I I think about even like, um, I think about the messaging that we relate to people in a a moment and how we're, we're, for us, again, like, we're trying to be efficient in the cold call process. We're not, but we're we're looking past effectiveness and building the relationship with that person. The thing that it always has to come back to for rebels and anybody that's that's got their own rebellion going, that's not part of our community even, you have to remember that people do business with those that they like and trust. And here's the thing is like, it's really about trust, okay? It, it, more than anything, if, you, if, if people like you, bonus, you know, bonus for the deal, right? Like people don't have to like you to do business with you. Trusting you though is extraordinarily important. Well, like what does a pitch translate in, in regards to trust? Not much. It's an empty promise. Like, and, and the thing is, is like we usually carry the same principles in a pitch that we do in closing st- statements or asks in our the middle of our funnel around the way that we show people the product and demo it off. It's self-centered. It's all about how do I get all these bullet points pointed out? How do I show somebody we do business with all these great people and like nobody freaking cares, bro. I'm trying so hard to curb my language for you, by the way. I hope everybody appreciates that. Uh, hey, I curse like, thing, a, curse like a sailor, bro, but like yeah, I love yeah. Jesus also. So I'm trying <laughs> to represent him right now. So the, the big picture perspective in all of that is, again, coming back to that identity of excellence. I think that it's about excellence, right? If it takes a little bit longer, somebody will appreciate that. Like one time it took me like, I, I want to say like four weeks to finally get through all of my, matter of fact, I think I'm like three months behind right now in all of my handwritten notes um because i write everybody i've ever interacted with in regards to when they've paid us to do something with them i write them a handwritten note no matter what and there's no way i'm ever going to outsource that okay so because if it shows up six months later i am telling you right now and for everyone listening prove me wrong i dare you right that the person when they get that they don't even care that it's been six months they go that was very kind of you thank you for taking time out of your day to do that even if it took you six months you psycho Right. But like, but that's an extracurricular thing too. Right. Like when somebody says, Hey, I need services you get it done. Right. But when it comes to the way that we build relationships, if we're not intentional about it, right. We'll fail bottom line. So for, to me, it's always coming back to that identity of like, what is excellence? What is effectiveness through excellence as well too? And how do we get back to connecting with people instead of what we've become as a sales nation? Right. Yeah. No, man. Oh, that is awesome. And defining, you know, I think that's what's, that's the question is what is excellence? And when I heard you describing, um, you know, your sort of transition towards being a rebel towards adopting the crumpled letter campaign, you, you talked about, you know, some really high stakes words or high bar words, right? Like delivering an experience, delivering joy, delivering fellowship, right? Cultivating, like true companionship and trust, you know, and that's a, that's a different kind of excellence to like fast, efficient, you know, timely, um, you know, et cetera, right? Like those things can overlap, 
right? And and hopefully they do, but but you know, again, that's a that's a different that's certainly a different definition of excellence that um, I think just from not just sales leaders, but but really society in general. Totally agree. Because I, I think it comes back to like, people say this to me all the time. They say, hey, that's a good sales lesson, but really it's a good life lesson. And every time I hear that, I just think I'm doing exactly what it is that I've called to do, which is to leave the legacy of Dale Dupree and the shadow of my father, Curtis, because my dad taught me that. My dad taught me to make people feel something else in those moments. Do not make them say, oh, this is sales related, make them feel something so deep in their soul that they could not deny what it is that's happening to them. And that's that identity of purpose, of mission, of value um, in regards to, to time, in regards to the moment, in regards to what it is that you're doing for somebody, for somebody, man, God, I can just go on a tangent. Every time I start talking about people and I incorporate them in the way that I use words, I get excited. I get a little emotional too, because I just think about how much I love people. Like I love the lady that cut me off this morning on my way to coffee. I love the, the the dude that was trying to get change out of me at the gas station. I was like, dude, I only got a debit card. Do you want me to go inside and buy you something? He told me F you and walked away. You know, like, I love I love everybody. I love every single person that I come into contact with. I love the people that have ruined my life to an extent, you know, like in the way that they've done something to me to have potentially caused bad outcomes, right? And through that love, there's forgiveness. And through that forgiveness, there's a new path and a journey that is born from that moment. And I tie all of that in to when I'm sitting here with Bobby and he asked me about what do I think good sales leadership looks like, or how should we be prospecting or what's the crumpled letter? And I think that that's important because you know what I'm sick of, dude, I'm so sick of people compartmentalizing all this garbage, right? I'm so sick of people putting everything in a box and labeling it. I'm so sick of people saying, oh, that's not a good marketer. He's never been in marketing. I have 100% been a marketer my whole life. I've been a marketer since I was 17 years old and I convinced a major record label to sign my stinky, sweaty metal band, right? I mean, like that is a literal fact. So to me, it's, it comes back to, again, what is our belief and how are we instilling something so much bigger into people through that belief and the actions that we take? <laughs> oh, brother, brother, man, you get you can get me going big time. I mean, the 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 loving everyone piece to like the power of forgiveness. Um, this this you know just this this lens with which we can view the world in a much more like united um, way is 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 something I know I I stick to as much as I can. I, I practice this form of meditation called meta um, and it means loving kindness. And it's this practice of literally wishing loving kindness sort of unconditionally on another person. And it could be it could be a neighbor, it could be an acquaintance, it could be obviously a loved one, it could be an enemy, right? Um, enemy there in quotes, right? Um, but it's it's to sort of garner that more proactively unconditional state um, and, and it's interesting. I, I, I think when you, you know, when you say those things about, you know, I love the person that cut me off, you know, again, I, I sort of take the same stance and, and it's really changed my life. I definitely haven't always been that way. So I think there's, there's people here that are listening that, that, that might say, you know, one of two things or both. I mean, say like, well, a, how do you do that? Or B like, that's crap. That guy's not always like that. What, what, what do you say? Cause, cause I get that sometimes. Yeah, of course, bro. Like, listen, we're all human. 
And so, and, and so here's another piece of the puzzle, like to, for me, like, this is just humble pie and, and me being super transparent. Like I used to be an angry person, and even though I was always super loving. I was the kid when I was younger, I was the kid that was passing the basketball to the dude that they had to put in because if they didn't, they were breaking the rules, right. In the most competitive leagues, right. Because I was going for scholarships. I was good at what I did. Like that was who I was. Right. And the other kids, the kids that were good always made fun of me. Look at this big teddy bear, Dale. Like he's so nice. To and, and maybe that could, you know, stem from the anger. Right. But, but really it started as a defender or a protector. That's who I was. My best friend was getting beat up down the street from my house and a, and a buddy comes flying down on his bike. Like you got to help. And I rode down there and whooped the tar out of that kid. It was the first time I've ever got into a fight in my life. Right. But it was in this way that I felt good about it afterwards, even though I hated it at a certain point in my life. And to, to this day, I'll always regret inflicting any kind of harm on another human being. Nobody deserves that period. Even if they're a giant piece of shit, like they don't deserve it, no matter what they deserve, love and compassion and support to get out of that mindset and to become something greater that they've been called to be. Cause we've all been called to be something amazing, but we just, we piss it away with every moment. And so for me, it was this concept of like, as I started to become like more involved in that world, because we were like, oh, this guy, Dale, he's, he's a, he, he can crack some skulls, right? So let's call him when there's a problem. Well, I had to figure out how to evolve that back into who I truly am. And I'll never forget the time I, I'm dressed up in my like work clothes and I go down, a friend of mine gets, you know, I, I was in a scene in a music scene where violence was a thing. And I went down there and, and they, he had gotten jumped, right? And by like 15 kids. And I showed up and I walked up to the venue and everyone knew why I was there, right? I'm like literally dressed to the nines, just coming out of work kind of thing. I was selling copiers. And, uh, and the one thing that a lot of people also don't know about me, like two days before, I'm like, I'm training in a gym with people, uh, a couple of different forms of martial arts. And so I walk, I'm a very confident person, always have been, especially my abilities to throw these hands. And so I, I walk up, these kids come out, they see me, there's like, well, there's 15 of us is kind of what they're thinking in their head. And they're still scared, right? Standing 10 feet away from me, like, like ganged up on me, right? But the power in that moment for me was this, bro. And that the circumstances of what happened and the ability to be able to love through it. And so, so anybody that was there will tell you the same story. Um, and there was a lot of people there. There was like a hundred people that witnessed this. I turned around into the crowd um, and went up to the two or three guys. There was actually about a half a dozen, uh, close to about 10 people that were there with me that no one even knew. And I whispered in their ear, don't do anything. And when those kids saw me do that, you know, they stepped back even further. They were like, what's happening right now? And I walked over to, to the guy that did what he did. And I literally looked him right in the eye and I said, you have two choices. <laughs> and I think he was thinking, you know, I'm going to beat you up or something. Right. I said, you can, you can recognize what's happening here. You can flex your awareness muscles and you can realize how small you are in this moment, even though you feel like a big man, right. From doing something to somebody that maybe they deserved, right. I'm not going to debate you on that right? Why you would jump one person, 15 of you and beat the tar out of him. I don't know. Maybe there's a reason for that. I said, but so you can stay in that place of justifying things and being like, you know, we are who we are, or you can flex that awareness muscle. And you can, you can think to yourself, where will I be five years from now with this situation? What will this affect down the road?
right? And here's the thing about it is that in the scene as well too, there's a lot of gang violence. So you would typically have inside of that music scene, you'd have a lot of people that were in gangs, motorcycle games most likely, but they were trafficking drugs. They were trafficking guns, sometimes people, right? And we're talking, we're kids, right? Associating ourselves with these people in these, in these circles. But I always recognized the wrong. And I, I'm grateful to God for those moments, bro, because I was able to tell that kid, why don't you just forgive him? For whatever he did, just like I'm forgiving you right now and telling you that nothing, no harm will come to you today. And he just looked back at me like I was lying and joking, right? And and thought like someone's gonna hit me from behind, and it changed my world. Um, that moment forward, man, uh, I was 24, 25, somewhere in that range. That moment forward, I mean, I had people coming up to me going for months and years, going, "Hey, uh, what you did." changed the way I think what you did changed the way like I went home and I called a couple people and like told them I was sorry like I started to realize the impact that we can have on people through this positive mindset and outlook and and no matter what I always bro when when those types of moments happen like I'm and I also with my wife I know I'm just like rambling at this point but I love you and I trust you so here I am just talking to you right I'm in Iceland with my wife and this dude I mean he did the exact thing that you would never want a stranger to do in front of you to the woman of your dreams, right? And, it, and for about three seconds, the, the room went dark. And, and old Dale was about to reprise his role of face discombobulator. And, <laughs> but I was patient. I was silent. I stayed in my moment for a second. Um, and within... Five seconds of that silence, a lady came running up full speed and she like looked me in the eyes because she could see the rage and just like the terror that she that I was about to inflict and and said, please, 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 please. And I and I said to myself, thank you. Right. I didn't say it out loud, but I said, thank you. Like, that's all I need. Like, I sometimes I just need a little reminder in those moments when someone cuts me off. Right. Instead of going, that person just cut me off. I go, I'm in a car that I own cash. I'm in, I'm driving in a place that I'm visiting right now, right? Because I have flexibility to be able to do that. I have a son two miles from where I am right now that I'm going to go back to and I'm going to play with. I have a wife, a gorgeous wife that loves me. I don't care that this person just cut me off. And I can, and I can say in that, in those 10 seconds that it takes me to do that, I can forgive that person and I can wave at them, say, have a nice day. So it takes practice, it takes mindfulness, it takes awareness, but it's the same thing as being in a sales role, bro. That's what made me so good at sales and why I take pride in saying that even because I was able in moments where people would break or crack or interrupt or talk too much, I could just listen and I could be present and I could find the place that I needed to go with that person because of that. I would journey with them, right? And I've been doing it my whole life. I've been journeying through my depression. I've been journeying through my anger. I've been journeying with other people in their crappy circumstances as well, too. I've been learning and learning and growing and growing and becoming closer and closer to me. And that's what makes the ultimate human being, in my opinion, on this earth is the most aware. The one that realizes that I'm not that cool. I'm not that good. I'm not. And maybe I am that good, but I'm not the best. Right. And I'll never be that thing if I don't stop pursuing it.
right? So the thought process being like, we can never be there and, and, and until the, the last moment of our lives, when we just say, oh man, look at what I accomplished. When we look back until we have gotten to that place, we are nothing, right? We are not what we think we are. And that's, that's what I think, again, what creates these disconnects around the way that people treat each other, the way that people in general look at life, they look at sales. Oh, I'm going to go into sales because I'm going to make a bunch of money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, buddy, money only fixes money problems. So if you're listening to this right now and you had that mindset or you have it right now, what about your depression, right? Your money can't fix that. What about the relationship with your significant other? Money doesn't fix that. What about the circumstances of your life? Money doesn't fix those things. You can buy yourself into a rich neighborhood. I promise you that that will not, that's a mask that will not heal ultimately the problems that exist in your life, the addictions, alcohol, pornography, drugs, whatever it is, right? Whatever your vices are, whatever those things are that are bothering you, you look at money as some kind of savior. You look at sales as a way out, but we're missing the bigger picture of life. And that, my dude, is what comes back to the word excellence. Excellence in all things. When we can have clarity around that, ultimately, we can never fail. <laughs> Oh man, you went, you went on one there, bro. Love it. Love it. I had some coffee while we were talking. So no, dude. Wow. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, you know, it, it, it really lands with me, man. I, I mean, I was a, I was, I was the tough guy out of our friends. I was a wrestler. I was a college wrestler and, um, was in and witnessed way too many fights. And, um, I think there's something to, to sort of just being a part of that much violence in any form, right? Like even, even competitive wrestling is, you know, even though it's like sanctioned and, you know, there's professional guardrails around it, it's, it's still a very violent sport. And, you know, you can, you can win with arrogance. You can, you know, lose with humility. You can, you know, there, there's a lot, lot of ways it can go. And it, you know, it, it just listening to you um, sort of make that shift at age 24 in that moment, I, I definitely had my own moment um, of that and, and really haven't thought about it in a long time of how it has impacted my sales career, my ability to kind of see through that dis disconnected nature um, of, of business that, that just happens and of, of humanity of just walking through life where we, you know, we, we, we see like we're, we just think we're on we think we're not part of the same thing, right? Like, it's just like, you know, in that moment too, when you're in Iceland, like, and it, it, it's hard, it's hard. Cause yeah, that, 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 that steam, that fire, that it brews with the, with the wrong action. Right. Um, but to be able to just consistently return to that peace and that yearning for unity and that yearning to be better um, is something that we, we just all have to strive for. And definitely I'd chalk, I'd chalk that up to excellence for sure. Man, you got me. Um, <clears throat> cool, cool. Well, I guess I, I think you've already answered this in like six different ways. But um, I want uh, yesterday I was working at um, at a WeWork, and um, this young gal named Kelsey, uh, she had a LinkedIn sticker on her on her laptop, and she had just asked me what I was doing because we were meeting up with a startup, and you know we just had a lot of conversation. It was kind of like she was catching on to our energy. And I was like, well, well, what do you do? And she said, she's in HR. And 
she's like, man, sales. She's like, sales seems so hard. It's so tough. Like I, I've, I'd never be good at sales. And she asked me, you know, what, if you could just give me one piece of sales advice, you know, what would it be? Um, so just want to ask you that question. I could give one piece of sales advice to all the people listening today. I would tell them that whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish in your sales role, that I think the most important thing for you to focus on in particular is not what will elevate your walk in order to be able to get there in regards to the way that other people that are, that are the common ground of sales, right? As I, I, I say it that way, because there's a, there's a vast majority of people out there that all see it one way in sales, okay? And the problem is, is that when we do things like Google, like how to do this, how to do that, check out YouTube, you might hear a specific individual telling you something, but I'm telling you right now, they've rehashed it from somebody else. And so when you're out there, when you're trying to level up, when you're trying to, when, as you look at the goals, I want you to do something a little bit different, right? I want you to do the, the old Dale Dupree. Head back to the closet and find the skeletons. Find the things that are cre have created the moments that you're at right now, like of confusion and of night misunderstanding communication with people and, and why are people so short with me and why does nobody understand when I ask them for 15 minutes of their time what I'm trying to do. I, I, I would really truly recommend, and I do this with pretty much anybody that I talk to for the first time, that sales starts with us and, and deep inflection of our problems. Because the more that we carry those things around, the more we wear a mask. That mask is not your authentic self. It might be something you'd like to be, but it can never truly be you until you have released yourself from all the other things behind you. And I think what really makes me go in this like deeper direction of, of this advice is from our conversation today, being hyper aware of who you are and, and going back to places that suck in order to get clarity on where it is that you are today and how you can become better is leaning on you. <laughs> Take a risk on yourself, like bet on you more so than Grant Cardone or I'm not going to say any other names because I'll just go on a tangent, right? But that's my point, right? Like those people have their place in your life at some point, sure, right? But the only person that controls your outcomes, especially in your sales walk is you because we don't know what's going on in your life. What's it like at home when you get off work? What are the conversations like with your friends outside of your sales role? When you hang up the phone and somebody's a little bit of a prick to you, do you take it personally? Right? Or do you allow it to be a moment of learning? Do you allow it to be something bigger than it actually is? So best advice that I've ever got in my life that I'll give back is that. Inflect, right? Sit back, look at who you are, what it is that has brought you to where you are today. And the failure is the most important part of that. To go back to those things and say, this stuff here, right? These things I've done, they're going to affect my total outcomes is very important. It's hard, but it's very important to be very vulnerable. My depression was one of the first things that I had to go back to very quickly uh, in my sales career and say, I have to fight and I have to fight in this area because the rejection 
right? And sure, there's a bunch of other ways to describe it, but that's what it feels like, right? Someone telling you to F off, basically, even if they just hang up and don't say anything, <laughs> right? It feels like that. I had to go they back don't to answer the answer an email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Why? And it keeps us up all night eating a tub of ice cream, right? And those are the things that I would... I would recommend all sellers go to first and foremost, because what's happening when someone gets into sales is they leave who they were behind most of the time. And they say, oh, I'm a salesperson now. What do I need to learn? Well, it's everything you've needed to learn up to now has, has happened. I promise you. It's about taking those experiences and becoming a salesperson as you and, and going and moving forward from that. And, and it, at some point, sure, you got to learn from other people, man, for sure. Like I'm not saying the only per that the only person that can teach you is yourself. But dude, if you sign up for a sales training class, if you download some courses, if you watch 3,000 videos of how to do X on sales, it will get you absolutely freaking nowhere until you have come to terms with who you are and truly know thyself, right? Have planted your roots, have built your foundations and understand that, yeah, the walls are red right now, but I'd like to paint them blue. I'd like to get to that place. I'd like to work on those things for myself. And in doing so, you will become the best damn salesperson the earth has ever seen. Yeah, no, man. I mean, you, you're just reminding me like why the first time we met each other, I was like, oh man, I'm just obsessed with this guy, with how this guy views sales. Um, Cause I see so much of my own perspective in, in how you view it. And it's, it's just not normal. Um, it's not what's taught. It's not what's asked for candidly too. Right. Like I think almost again, society wise, like we're just obsessed with how to, right? Like, give me the how to, give me the framework, give me the process, give me the hack, give me the little strategy, give me the template. And sales training has really turned into that. But like, I think that's a great advice is like, you know, if you, if you can actually shed all that, like that sort of like weak version of you, that inauthentic you, the, the fear, the, you know, the anger, the depression, whatever, you know, that sort of timid you that, that, that doesn't feel really good in, in his or her own skin, right? Like, that's actually the number one thing you show up and you're that glowing, energetic, like loving self. Like, dude, you can say a lot of things in there. You can do a lot of different pitches and, and, and sell a lot of different products. Like it's going to go infinitely better. Um, so I, I'm just curious how that plays out. But, but again, that's one of those things that it's, it's, it is different. And so it's, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, when you're in workshops, when you're in training clients, like I, I'm sure you weave a lot of this in and I'm curious, like, how you make it land or like what, what resistance maybe you're, you're, you're seeing like compared to just showing up and saying, all right, I've got the top 10 ways to, um, you know, qualify, or here's the five best, um, prospecting techniques I can give you. Yeah. If I stand in front of a crowd and I, and I, I tell them, you know, like, uh, here's the Pareto rule or law or, and, and, or I say like, and here's some like Sandler, David Sandler principles or Zig Ziglar said this once, or, you know, and I, and I go through like the list, like in most cases, I'm not talking smack about sales trainers, but in most cases, I mean, that's what it is. It's a lot of rehash stuff. And then also it's all these like things that I've done, right. I want to give people their own choice. Like when we start sessions, we get people to tell their story in a very unique way where they just, they were, they're relaxed, that we're not asking to, to, to be divulged every little piece of information. We ask very specific things that are easy to share and that, that also give us insight into who you are and how far we can go with you or what we need to push on a little bit throughout the course of the next six 
plus hours of our time together, whatever it is, to to be able to get the kind of outcomes that you deserve more so than anything. And so we we do sales training for us is an abstract thing. Right? We have sure we have a framework, right? But we do it in a way where we are very intentional with people, right? And by the time that I get to my story, you've already told me everything about you. And when I tell you my story, I use little snippets of the things I've heard around the room to be able to connect with every single individual that's in there. I even will say things that people have said verbatim in the way, almost as if like I scripted it and like recorded everything you just said. It's It can be mind boggling, uh, but it, it, listen, it took me 13 years to get to where I am today, right? I've been in it for almost 16 now, right? But but that thir- year 13, I went, wait, I can do this. I can get out of copier sales and I can teach people because I understand that it is not about me. Just like just like when someone actually broke through to me, my dad, yeah. right? It wasn't about him ever, right? And those are the moments for me that that defined it. And so again, when we teach it, yeah, we get people to buy in. Like, we're not in there with a bunch of hocus pocus and beating people down with, you know, telling like keyword hot words and, and things that fire people up. Like we're hurting you in the first couple of hours deep because you're asking yourself questions that you've never asked before you or you're hurting, challenging. Hurting yeah. 100% emotionally. You are literally a bag of emotion in pain in most cases. Even if you like what's happening, there are things and heartstrings that are being tugged at. I tell the story of my father dying of cancer and the exact moments of his death in front of every single person at, at these types of trainings. And I don't do it to glorify me or even him. I do it in a way that can help people to see what's important. Break down right? laws, Where they, they listen to those things and they go, damn. And here I am worried about getting an appointment tomorrow. <laughs> like I need to call my dad. Right. And when we, when we break through people in those instances, break through those emotional barriers and walls, we give them permission to do things. I got a text today. It's the, it's the most fulfilling thing. It's been a couple of weeks since I saw this kid. He had just become an AE uh, for this organization. He's had a couple demos, whatever, whatever, but, but we connected over the three days that we were together and I gave him some, some pretty cool stuff to do. And he hit me back and he said, Hey man, this is his words verbatim. Hey man, can I send you a legendary closing meeting Zoom call recorded? That's what he says. And then he said, the actual close part isn't in there because I used your advice to hit stop recording to get it past the edge that it's set on. And it closed immediately. And, and like reading that is, man, what a moment, right? For him, that's very fulfilling for our organization because this young man is empowered now just through one simple thing, because what he'll take from that isn't just that I stopped the recording, right, in that moment, to create a, an environment of inclusivity and of, of less pressure, right? He'll think about like, wait, hold on. It wasn't about a move or a trick or a play. It was about accommodating the person that I was speaking to. And I feel really good about giving this person the best type of experience possible, so that's how we teach it, bro. We teach it in a manner that people buy into emotionally, the identity of what it means to be a rebel, to put fellowship in front of negotiations, to put community before commission checks, to put people before products. And when we get them to that place and that understanding of that an experience is more powerful than a pitch, something shifts. And that shift becomes an avalanche of success for those people in its own way 
right? Not specifically defined by us. Sometimes it just shows up in a small instance, right? But, but that small little instance rolls and rolls and rolls. And we know exactly what that looks like when it's a snowball, right? So, so that's, you know, that's really our philosophy and our methodology around how we get people bought in and not rolling their eyes when they hear us start opening our mouths. <laughs> well, man, I mean, uh, I, I wanted to ask you about your dad because I know you mentioned him as well as the rest of your family a lot. Um, you know, I, I don't know the whole story. I mean, you just revealed a lot of it and the fact that you reveal that in trainings right away, like, of, of course it, it brings people together, right? Of course it makes people reflect. Um, of course it breaks down the walls and, 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 and really opens the door for like real change, right? Like real communication, human to human stuff. Um, cause at, at the end of the day, like it's, it, you know, when we talk about like changing behavior, changing like what we're going to do every day when like Dale's not around or when we're just, it's just us, our phone and our, you know, our laptop and, and our customers, like it's, it, it's hard to do. It's hard to like, you know, get rid of that, whatever that routine is, whatever those behaviors are. And, you know, of course it takes, you know, it takes some, some, re, some raw, like authentic, you know, storytelling and energy to get there. So, Oh, man, I mean, thank you for sharing that too. That that's just awesome, and that's just such a that's such again. It just just for me, it just really resonates. It's just such a badass way to do it. I, I think I I go about it in similar but different ways, um, of course. But uh, man, in that moment, that moment, that's that's awesome. That just came up right now. That text. It came up um, earlier today. Yeah. So whenever this airs, like today is the twenty eighth. Um, and it's 152 Eastern Standard Time. And I got it at like 11 o'clock today, right? A couple hours ago. And you know, we we get texts like that all the time. We get emails like that all the time. And, and honestly, like what's most important about that to us is seeing people become aware of who they are and, and flex that belief in themselves through a servant leadership mindset, because we know we're building something so much bigger in those moments. Went on mute, my man. <laughs> when did it go on mute? Is the question. Oh, like seven seconds ago. You're good. Cool. cool. <laughs> so, so when we again, when we when we get, I'll just reiterate. When we get texts like that, the first thing that goes through our head is, can we sit with the buyer, and and ask them like, hey, what'd you think, right? And we and we that's where we go, right? We don't really. It's cool to think like, cool, a great, throw it on the board tick the quota down because you're over and above it, man. But what a really good thought is, and this is what just makes our training from my side and my belief in it different, is that we care about the outcome for the person that our client is serving, right? Our client's client. That's what we look at. So when we teach even, and we're teaching people how to do things, we're thinking about those people, right? We don't care if they're Fortune 500 CEOs. We don't care if they run a one-man financial shop in their freaking house. We treat people the same. We give them the dignity, respect, and experience that they deserve through and through, regardless of status and everything else. And I know, bro, if we sat with that dude, that buyer uh, from that text, he would go, that young man did a fantastic job. And he gave me exactly what I wanted in that yeah. moment, which was a connection you know, to something greater than the transaction. And that's powerful. 
No, totally. I mean, that's, that's where my mind went when you were sharing that is just like how unique and incredible it is for you to have the moment that you're just having um, with this text exchange, the young man to be having that moment like in there and, and sort of the, the full awareness of like the gravity of, of the situation, the connection. It's not just another sale. It's not another transaction. It's like, no, nah, dude, like I, I'm, 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 this this buyer is going there with me and then the third party arguably the most important party here is the customer and the customer is like wow this, this is just a break in my day this was something i'm not forgetting anytime soon and to be able to deliver that um you know across those three individuals um and then to do it at scale right like hell yeah hell yeah brother 100 the, <laughs> the, the sales rebellion exists for something much greater than becoming a massive company with tons of employees and revenue. We are a movement and we're coming. And, and we believe that people will be whispering the name of the rebellion and rebels all over the world within the decades to come. And that's what we're pushing toward. They already are my friend. This is Dale Dupree. Um, I want to give you your time back. I know you're, you're busy, but brother, how, how do people um, get in contact with you? What should they do uh, to learn more about the rebellion? Great way to, uh, to do that is to start at thesalesrebellion.com. We're launching a new site in the next month or so. Uh, so stay tuned, be on the lookout for it. It's going to be pretty epic. Lots to learn there. Uh, a lot of great experiences like we just talked about. We practice what we preach. If you want to find me on social, LinkedIn is where I post content daily or sometimes a couple of times a day if I'm feeling saucy. Um, and you can find me there at linkedin.com backslash in backslash copier warrior, which is my old brand and it will never die. I promise any other social media, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, it's just at sales rebellion. Come find us, come join the movement, come rebel. If you enjoyed today's show, please go and support it by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. You can also subscribe to the Quotalist weekly newsletter by going to quotalist.io. Remember, when you embrace practice, develop awareness, and align your efforts, you can rise above the deal. You can live quotalist.